Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economic. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 to 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, you t- the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35,000 of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you. And O'Reilly, they can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisoners in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March what? Who cares? Marching has never changed anything. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Jimmy. guess you can call me Jimmy the Tramp. Because I'm homeless. I'm living in my car. I'm 48 years old, and... Um, I've been living this way only for a couple weeks now, thankfully. Uh, but my troubles started uh, well, a long time ago. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll be telling you everything about myself, um, how I got to the situation that I'm in, and how I'm going to get myself out of it, and uh, where I'm going to go from here as it all happens. Um, I'm starting this channel to 
give myself something to do, keep myself occupied, um, so I don't get too damn depressed. It's depressing uh, living in your car, to say the least. Um, but a little background, um, I'm in New Mexico right now. I'm here because uh, my ex-wife lives here with my two daughters. I have two kids, one's 16 and one's 13, which I love them both dearly. Um, we had moved here in 2007 from California. Um, don't want to get too much into that right now since this is just an introduction video. Uh, to, to make a, uh, to sum up kind of how I got where I am really quick, uh, I had a car accident. I was on the freeway. Uh, I was coming home from work. Um, I was working in the oil fields. I worked two weeks on. I'd had one week off. It was the day before Thanksgiving and coming home from my week off and um, someone rear-ended me. Um, Everyone slammed on their brakes on the freeway, and I was basically almost stopped, maybe two, three miles an hour I was moving. And the guy that was behind me hit me almost full speed, um, around 70 miles an hour. I ended up having surgery on my back. I had something called a laminectomy, or they cut off bone off of uh, three of uh, vertebra in my lower back, but I had a lot of problems I still have. I mean, I'm screwed for life, basically. I had herniated discs in my neck and in my lower back, and I've never been the same since. Even after the surgery, um, my career in the oil field, obviously, has come to an end. My heavy lifting days are over. But I'll get to a, a lot of that stuff uh, in later videos, um, so I'm just kind of introducing myself kind of one of the reasons how I got to the point where I'm at now living in my car um, so I'm gonna take you through my uh, daily life what what it's like to live on the streets and live in a car in case you've never done it before I put an ad on Craigslist last night uh, in Albuquerque and uh, I got a number of responses from people and they were all positive which you know, I really kind of appreciated. I knew that um, the, the ad that I put up was just saying basically, hey, I'm I'm homeless and living in my car. I'm alone, uh, and I'm lonely. I wanted somebody to talk to, and I got a number of uh, emails which I appreciated getting from everybody, and they were all positive. Or other people telling me about their experiences, uh, having been homeless or going through tough situations, and. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised because I thought, yeah, I'm probably going to get a bunch of trolls that are going to, you know, come talk shit. And even making these videos, I know that's very possible, and I'm sure it will happen. Someone's going to come along and just got to say something. Whatever. I'm trying to stay positive, and I'm going to get myself out of this. Um, once you guys know, too, right off the bat, I'm not in this situation because I'm a drug addict or alcoholic, I'm not doing dope, I'm not drinking, I do like to have a drink, but, uh, that is definitely not the reason why I'm here, um, all my things right now, I moved out of my house, um, that I was renting, uh, at the beginning of June, and I put all my stuff into a couple storage units, and, um, 
which the rent is coming up due soon and I don't have the money to pay it. <laughs> anyway, so what I'm going to do today is I am going to do what I do every day. I'm going to go over to the library. I'm going to upload this video to YouTube, my first video. And I'm going to um, search for a job like I do every day. I spend all day there uh, applying for jobs and, you know, take a little time off to surf the net. But um, then later tonight when it gets dark, I'll go find my dark, quiet spot to park my car and uh, go to sleep. <clears throat> I don't know if I'll make another video today. I'll probably, I might start tomorrow and uh, show you my daily routine. Anyway, so I, I hope everybody that's watching will, <clears throat> you know, have something positive to say. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you can say. You really don't know me yet. But I'm going to be making these videos. Um, it's uh, something I like to do. I've got the camera, so why not? Anyway, so thanks for watching, and uh, check back soon. I'm definitely going to be posting these daily. Um, so like I say, you can get to know me, how I got here, how I'm going to get myself out of this situation, and where I'm going to go from here. So thanks for watching. Are people from India contacting you to buy land, and where are they buying <coughs> it, and how are you helping them? That's, that's been a real, real interesting phenomenon. So it's, it's, um, it has increased exponentially just over the last couple of years. And uh, you know, two or three years ago, it was once every few months. Um, I currently have uh, two properties under contract with Indian Nationals. I closed on a property with an Indian National last week, and I'm working with. Um, uh, probably a half dozen right now searching for properties and uh, I probably I think out of the 70 sales I've had thus far this year probably six have been Indian nationals and and so uh, uh, one of the great things is you know word-of-mouth advertising and and um, uh, these people um, that I've helped are telling other friends and associates of our services here, <clears throat> they certainly want to buy land. They feel as though American land is one of the safest investments in the entire world. It's a good place to to put your money. I mean, uh, they they've told me themselves that it's the equivalent of gold. You know, it's less volatile than gold, and and you know they're not worried about America getting invaded. They're not worried about the American economy collapsing. They just think it's one of the safest places to put their money. And in the Raleigh area, especially Chatham County, <clears throat> they're seeing a good return on their estimate. They're seeing um, appreciation. Uh, most of these um, people that I'm dealing with are looking for a five to eight year hold, and I think that's reasonable. So if they want a, a 20 to 100% return on their money and they're willing to hold it for that long, I think that's definitely possible and doable. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I've learned culturally, the differences, uh, is that you know they certainly have uh, a different style of negotiation. And, and, and I know I'm generalizing right now, but I think it's important for people uh, to know that, that there are cultural differences. And, and I feel as though I've broken... Um, through those and had very frank discussions with my clients. Um, 
in in helping them reach their goals as far as land investment is concerned. I've had to uh, teach them that though that might be the way that you did it there, this is the way that we have to do it there, and what we're worried about or concerned about are the results. And uh, so that's been those have been interesting conversations. Um, there's been a, a trust factor that's been difficult to overcome, uh, but you know, as I get more and more repeat business, and these some of these um, uh, Indian nationals are telling their friends that this is the guy that helped me, and he did a good job, and I trust him. That's that's definitely helping. But um, uh, there is um, uh, a lot of investment happening right now in that 751 corridor, um, and uh, there's a lot of investment around the lake. And um, uh, I've worked with um, other Indian real estate brokers that have so much business that they can't handle it, that they've actually referred me some of their business. So we're talking about a huge influx of money right now. One of the things that's happening because of uh, uh, Raleigh and the Research Park, we have um, uh, a lot of medical people coming over from India and um, these uh, doctors are creating investment groups together. So five or six doctors are pooling their money together, and then they are cash buyers for a large tract of land, and that has been um, uh, very, very good uh, as far as our sales this year is concerned. And uh, I feel confident that these people are um, buying well and their land's going to appreciate, and they're going to be very happy when they sell five to ten years from now. But uh, I don't think people can underestimate how much of um, uh, an impact uh, people from India are having on real estate right now. They are a strong – I mean, I think I just said it, I'm looking at roughly 10% of my sales this year, Indian nationals. So I'm very happy to, very happy to help them, and um, I'm learning a lot. All right, today's podcast, and we're doing a very, very brief one. It's just titled Friday Audio, and that that's that's the second audio we played for today. Um, let's see there. I ran across something on Facebook this morning regarding land. Uh, oh, here it is. Ordinary people buy houses. Extraordinary people buy land. My goal is to be extraordinary. I thought that was an interesting quote. And then just as a conclusion for today, um, let's see. Now, yesterday I mentioned I found, when I found, I deliberately went to this place and made a request. But uh, a document which I call a treasure map. All right, so if you're on Facebook, if you go to Facebook and you go to Podcasters Biosolar Village, go to that page on Facebook, Podcasters Biosolar Village, all right, and at the top of the page, um, you'll see um, a picture of a field. Actually, you see a couple of houses in the back, but that it's 
that's across the road. You can't see where it went, where the road is that divides that big patch of land and those houses. That that's somebody anyway. So that that's that big patch of you can't even see all of it in this picture. Um, that's what I went to tabs to take advantage of that oper- land opportunity uh, in Tab, Oklahoma. Who said? I think I have some other pictures. All right, hope. But before we even get to those other pictures, on the Podcasters Biosolar Village page on Facebook, if you scroll down, and, oh, man, I don't think I got a good picture of this. I mean, I might have to try to, oh, that was the better of the two. All right, I have a document that says Treasure Map, a real one. All right, Dan, I'm going to take another picture this weekend of this document. Anyway, it, it's if you can make out what that is, I know what it is, but let's see if you can make out what it is. Uh, but then you might have a clue as why I, I titled it a real treasure map. Anyway, but it's on on podcasts by Solar Village on Facebook. It's captioned treasure map, and then in parentheses a real one. Let me see. We can. Sorry, if we scroll. Uh, all right, if we scroll down a little further, um, there's the picture at the top of the page, and there's another angle of the land transaction and test below that. I took other pictures. I thought I posted them. Let me look on photos on this. Uh, All right, I have those on my phone. I had to transfer those over. All right, but anyway, so the treasure map, if you happen to know what that is, let us know on Monday. Um, let me see, find my way back to the studio. Okay, on that note, everyone have a good rest of uh, more of this. Oh, wait a minute, this these devices have me on my have a good rest of the weekend. Oh, boy. All right. Well, you know what? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, before we go, okay, like I say, if you can, some people can take a look at that, even though it's a little blurry, and know it, what it is. And um, you'd have to actually, well, you might not have to be in touch with the real, I mean, to know why why I called it the treasure map. But in any event, we will be back in Taft, Oklahoma, uh, before.